Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. So, Thanksgiving is coming up. Anybody plan a road trip? Anybody here? Oh, there's a few. There's a few. There's a lot more in the last service. So, uh, yeah, we're planning a road trip on, uh, matter of fact, next Sunday. Going to be a great Sunday. Monday, we get in the car. We're going to drive up to Oregon to see my son and, and grandkids and, and daughter-in-law. Going to have a good time. And uh, But, yeah, road trips are fun. Um, I think I, I think I, I got the road trip blood from my dad. My dad never, I, I can't remember us ever going anywhere as, maybe the farthest we went was to the coast over here, you know, to Pismo Beach or something. But every Sunday when we would drive home from, from church, I would drive my mom nuts because he would never go home the same way twice. Uh, where are you going? Where are you driving, Vernon? You know, and it's like, he's just like, I'm just enjoying the scenery. I want to go home a different way, you know. And so uh, I kind of, you know, got that in my blood. But, uh, you know, we've gone on a few pretty good road trips. One time we flew out, Janice and I flew out to, to New York. Actually, we flew into Philadelphia, got a, rented a car. And then the goal was to drive to upstate New York, you know, and, and then over to Connecticut and back down the coastline. It was a great, great, great trip. But we actually did that before they had this thing called GPS, right? So, so anybody remember a thing called maps? Okay. It's not an app. Okay. I mean, these were actual physical maps that you would, you know, you would have in your hands. And, and, uh, Janice was my expert navigator. Uh, I didn't always, you know, do exactly what she told me to do, but, um, when sometimes she was right. And, uh, you know, other times, other times we kind of got lost, you know, maybe the map upside down. No, she, she was a great navigator. And, um, I remember I, I had wished that when we, on our trip to New York, I wish we would have GPS because we had to drive through New York City and, uh, everything was going perfect as planned until it said detour. Because they were doing some construction, you know, inside the town and stuff. And I'm going like, well, I guess we're going to get to see more of New York City than we thought we were. And uh, luckily we made it. We're here, you know. And uh, so, but yeah, it's GPS. What What is GPS? GPS, a global positioning system, right? It's it's there to help you navigate and and get places you otherwise probably wouldn't ever get to, (laughs) we'd probably still be lost if we didn't have maps and navigation, right? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about about navigation today, but we're going to talk about GPS, God's positioning system, all right? God's positioning system. Uh, He's the one who is is over all, sees all, knows all, and we need to to really listen to God's positioning system. So we're going to talk about that today. And our destination, of course, is heaven, right? We want to be rejoined with God the Father in heaven, and that's that's our goal. So um, open your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 13 and 14, and and we're in that. This is the last of the series of of Jesus said, what? This is one of those, uh, yeah, you you just kind of shake your head and say, what? 
What is he talking about here? So here it is. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Interesting ending. Only a few find that narrow gate that leads to life. You know, what's striking here is the absolute nature of the choice we need to make. And it's, it's a choice that we do make. And to think that not making a choice is, is a, not a choice, it's, no, it, that is a choice too. If you choose not to make a choice, you've made a choice. All right? And so we need to look closely here today at what is this narrow gate? What's the wide gate? And what's the, what's the, what's the narrow road? What's the wide road? And who are the, who are the few that find it? What happens to the few who find it and those who don't find it? So, uh, we see here that, that it is very, uh, kind of a, a takeoff of Psalm 1. It's very interesting. Uh, the way of the righteous who delight in God's law versus the way of the wicked who are like driven uh, driven like chaff before the wind and they perish. So Jesus is kind of restating an old psalm, an old song that maybe he sung. Um, and he's saying that there are there are two paths in life and there are two gates, two ways to enter that that road that leads to either life or destruction. So we're going to look at that today. Now, Jesus starts off, he says, enter. So that is a an invitation, Right. It's an invitation, but it's also a command. So he's saying, if you want life, you've got to enter this way. So it's an, it's an open invitation, like we talked about last week. Those who are looking, entering, you know, looking, seeking, knocking, that God will open that way to you. But just like, you know, you get advice from the GPS or a friend that's been there before, you say, how do I get there? Well, it's a good thing to talk to somebody who's been there, who knows the way. And Jesus says what? He says uh, in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, the life. It's interesting there. The way, right? The truth. He knows the way and he leads the way to life. And so this is what he's saying here. Enter this narrow gate that leads to life. And the way past this gate, this road that you're on, leads to life. And Jesus is the one who points us in that direction. Now, we see here in Matthew 13 and 14, there are verses of, of chapter 7, uh, two gates. We see a small gate and what he refers to as a wide gate. A wide gate. Now, um, I've been on, on, on planes before and you all have to go to the gate, Right? You gotta to go to the gate to get on the airplane. And so you're at gate 37, right? Now, I mean, in the old days, it was very interesting. Anybody could, could walk up to those gates. There was no, there was no, you know, checkpoints and things like that. I mean, and I remember one time going on an airplane and it's like, this lady had so much luggage that one of those things like they have in the hotels, right? I mean, she's pushing this thing and it's just loaded with luggage. It's not like today, it's more narrow to enter these days, right? 
I mean, now it's like you, you take a, a carry-on and hopefully you can you know, push it up in the top thing above your seat. Because why? Now things have been narrowed down. You've got to go through this narrow gate and you've got to stand there and they're going to inspect you and take you aside sometimes, you know, look through all your stuff. It's like, no, there's, there's more restrictions now than there were years and years and years ago. So Jesus is, is talking about this metaphor. He's saying, now we need to go through this, this narrow gate, the small gate. And, and, and he's talking about the narrow gate, but there's also uh, a wide gate. Uh, now, it, it's not, not difficult to go through a wide gate. I mean, you can take as much stuff as you want, right? I mean, you, you, lots of baggage, you can take anything you want. Now, what is Jesus actually referring here to? He, he's saying this, this road has a narrow gate or a wide gate, and he says, to get to that wide gate, you, you don't really have to leave anything behind. Um, not even your sins, your selfishness, um, your pride, um, all your stuff, all your ways of doing things, your choice. Do whatever you want, right? I mean, that, that gate, it, it's wide gate, big gate. Anybody can go through it any way they want. But he says... The road that leads to life is this narrow gate. Now, when it's talking about narrow, it's like you, you, you've got to be on the lookout to find it. Um, Jesus talked about seeking, knocking, looking. Yes, there has to be some active wanting on our side, right, to find this thing. And it's small. It's not big. So Jesus, of course, says, I am the way. There's lots of religions, lots of people that say, oh, there's many, many ways to get to God. And Jesus says, what? No, it's pretty narrow. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So it's different. It's different. See, Jesus says uh, to his disciples in Matthew 16, he said this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. See, there, there, there's not a lot of baggage that you can take with you through this gate. Jesus is saying, remember we talked about the, the little portico, the little, the little gate in the side of the, the wall of Jerusalem where they had to unload their camels, right? Unload their stuff and then kneel down and get through this narrow little spot. Now, it sounds kind of arduous, you know. It's like, wow, do I really want to go there? And, you know, that's the decision that all of us have to make. Do we believe that Jesus is the way? That he is the gate that we have to go through for eternal life? We make that decision. Well, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, now, in, in the Amplified Bible, I look at this in a different version. Sometimes it's good to do that. It says this, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and spacious and the road is the way that leads to destruction. Many are those who are entering through it. But the gate is narrow and they, and they, they put it in this term contracted by pressure. And the way is straightened and compressed that leads away to life. And there's very few who find that way. It's interesting how he talks about it. it's compressed, it's narrow, 
it, it, it's this way that, that is contracted by pressure. There is pressure going through this little space here. And once we do make it through, we decide to follow Jesus. He says there are two roads. Uh, one way is easy, the broad road. And it actually means, that word broad means a spacious and roomy, right? Uh, one might translate it comfortable or going with the flow. Interesting, interesting. I think the truth is we all love comfort, don't we? We all love comfort. Uh, we got our easy chair. We got our easy way to get there, the things that we like to do. And, uh, you know, people like to follow their own desires, their own inclinations and things like that. Um, we like comfort, right? And, and the broad road is depicted as a, a road that has plenty of room for diversity of opinions, um, laxity of morals, permissiveness, uh, do your own thing. Um, there's no curbs, no boundaries for thought or conduct. You know, it's a broad road. And people on this road follow their own inclinations, their own desires. Um, well, on the other hand, the narrow road is called the hard road. Um, it's narrow. It's narrow. And it's not Clearly, I mean, it, it, there's some clear marked out boundaries. And, and, and so, you know, you think this got this broad road, you know, and we love comfort, right? Uh, you know, go back to the airplane metaphor. You know, the first time I ever flew on an airplane, um, I didn't realize it. I was a teenager. I was going to, to Oregon to see my brother up in, up in uh, Oregon. And uh, they put me in first class. I didn't know what first class was. You know, so I had this massively big seat. It was twice as wide as I was. It was fantastic. You know, I had some extra snacks and things to drink. And after I ate, they brought me this little towel. It was warm that I could, you know, dab my hands and my mouth. You know, oh, it was great. It was fan. It was super comfortable. It was awesome. I didn't realize I was in first class until the plane ride back. And they stuck me in the back of the plane between two big people, and I, I figured since I was skinny, I could be in the middle, I guess, you know. But it's like it wasn't comfortable at all, right? Now, you ask me, would I prefer to be in first class in the wider seat? Absolutely, right? I love that, that comfort, but I find out that's not the way it always is, right? Now, I, I still got home. I'm okay, you know. I'm okay. But... There is a hard and a, right, and a wide road, right? Um, now, said that the narrow road, it's clearly marked out. You know, it's straight, it's compressed, uh, unlike the roads in Ukraine, okay? Uh, I went to Ukraine with my wife uh, to with ministry for my brother. He was over there for like 27 years as a mission pastor. And so we, we flew in, uh, we, we got to, to Nepro, and that's where the airport was. And then we, we had about an hour drive we thought on on paper to where he lived in Cravoy Rog, and so we got we got picked up by one of my brother's friends, a Victor, and what, it's not our Victor, it's another Victor, okay, and uh, and so he got in in the the car and he says, well, this is going to take us about three hours. And I'm like three hours. Well, we found out very quickly that the roads are a lot different in Ukraine than they are here. You know, I mean, there were it was a four lane road, four lanes. Two going one way, two the other way. But it was a very wide road, but it was filled with potholes. 
I mean, some potholes were the size of an elephant. You know, it was craziness, craziness. So we're driving and he's swerving all over the road. It's driving me crazy. You know, I'm just going like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's just all over the road. Sometimes we even went on to the other two lanes because our two lanes were just like a wreck, right? And so we're hoping that cars aren't coming the other direction, you know. So as he's, he's swerving back and forth and we're driving down the road and, and we're just, you know, scared to death. And, and he, he leans over and he says, hey, Bruce. He says, uh, you know how we, you know how we know a drunk driver in Ukraine? He says, they drive straight. <laughs> you know, you pick him out, right? But I, I thought, oh my goodness. Well, we got there. We're here. We're live, you know, but, uh, but we learned that there, there's two kinds of roads, right? I mean, had this beautiful wide road, but it was a mess. We were dodging potholes all over the place. And so I would have been so much better if we would have had a narrow, flat, straight road, right? Well, um, it's very interesting. These two roads that Jesus talks about lead to two different places. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. It says here, the wide gate is broad, the road that leads to destruction. And people, a lot of people go through it, but small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, if I'm, you know, sitting there in my car and you've got a small, narrow road, my car can barely fit through there. I look down there and, and the road is pretty narrow, but it says, this road leads to life. And then you look over here, there's a nice broad entryway, you know, no problem, big wide road. But it says, this road leads to death and destruction. You know, I'd probably sit in my car and go, hmm, I should think about this. I mean, really? Really? I mean, yeah, let's take the one that goes to destruction. Yeah, let's do, let's do that one, because that one just looks nice and wide. And yet, you know, Jesus, he, he tells us clearly, plainly, big sign, just like those signs that say, do not enter. You know, I mean, would it be cool? You know, you go up there and you say, hey, do not enter. It looks okay to me. Nice wide place. Let's just, let's go. All right? We couldn't do that. It doesn't make any sense that you would go on a wide road that leads to destruction versus someplace that goes to life. Even though it's a little more difficult, harder to stay in the lane a little bit. Well, Jesus is saying very plainly, there's a broad road and a narrow road. One leads to destruction. The other one leads to life. Your choice. Your choice. Now, we would think that anybody with half a brain would choose the one that goes to life. And yet, Jesus says there's just a few people who find this road. Few people that want to navigate that one. Isn't that interesting? Now, I, I started to think, what other stories in the Bible talk about a few that made it versus a whole bunch that didn't? And I immediately thought of the Exodus, right? I mean, we were, we're told that over, maybe over a million people, Israelites, left the bondage of Egypt, you know, all the miraculous things that happened through Moses from God to set them free. They they parted the Red Sea. They walked across there on dry land. And then after they got to the other side, the waters covered the Egyptian army. It was a miracle, right? I mean, just a full-blown miracle. 
And you think, wow, and then here's this cloud that, that leads them through the desert during the day and a fiery column of, of, of fire that, that leads them through at nighttime. They're provided food in the wilderness and the, the water comes out of rocks from nowhere. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, you know, this God, he is an amazing God. We want to follow him. And God says, this road leads to life, promised land. Now, you should take out your, your, your app, you know, your Siri or your Alexa or whatever and ask, how, how long would it take to walk from the place in Egypt where the Israelites left, you know, the Red Sea to the promised land? You find out it's not really that far. I mean, you can make it in, in probably less than a month by just walking. Well, it took them two and a half years to get there, okay? About two years to get there, give or take, right? So you're saying, well, I get a million people kind of a drag on the movement and stuff like that. You know, it takes a little while longer for a big crowd to get there, right? But when they did get there, they sent spies into the land to check things out and scope it out, right? So they sent one from each tribe of Israel, 12 guys in, and they got there and they said, this is amazing. I mean, the the the, the grapes are the size of, of like, you know, watermelons, and, you know, it takes two guys just to carry one one thing of grapes. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness, this is just an amazing place. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's exactly what God wants, you know, wants to show us. But there are giants in the land. The people there are huge. If we go in there, they're going to squash us. And so 10 out of the 12 spies said, no, they, they they spread the rumor that it was going to be super dangerous, that we weren't going to be able to over overthrow or, you know, overcome all the, these huge people that live there. And you think, oh, my goodness. This th- this word spread through the Israeli camps and they, I guess, took a vote and they said, we're not going. There were two people, Joshua and Caleb, who said, we can do this. I mean, don't you remember what God did to the strongest, most most powerful army on the planet at the time? I mean, the, the miraculous things that are happening. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Well, they got outvoted. And you know what? When they make the decision like that, God says, okay, I'll give you what you want. And so what did happen? They wandered around in the wilderness for 38 more years. They, they, they did that wide road thing. They just wandered all over the place. You know, they didn't know where they were going. And, you know, I bet there were a few that wished they had GPS back then, right? They, they just kept wandering and going and going and going. And what's interesting, here's where he gets to the few, Right? Of all of the men of fighting age, when they had gone there after a two-year period and, and said no, those 38 years, during those 38 years, every one of those men died in the wilderness. And only two survived. Two survived. Two out of half a million, I don't know how many men there were, but all of them perished in the wilderness and God only allowed two of those, the few, to enter the promised land. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Now the odds are pretty, pretty, you know, skewed on that one. 
So when I, I think of few, only few find it, two out of a million, you're thinking, well, okay, few who find it. It's interesting, this, uh, you know, Psalm 16, 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so we're going into this promised land where God says, I want you to be with me where I am. And we're coming up on Christmas time. And, and uh, we're going to do a little series on, on that fact that, that the name of Christ is God with us. Right? Emmanuel. He wants us to be with him and him with us. And so we've got this, this promised land out there. But Jesus says in Matthew seven twenty one, this is just later in this chapter, he says, but you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that interesting? But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, special note here that our salvation is not earned by us being obedient, following God. Our obedience is the evidence that we have genuinely, truly committed ourselves to a lifelong following of Jesus. Get the difference? Right? Some people, they, they, they are obedient to God thinking, well, then God has to bless me. They've got, you know, God in their debt, right? So my goodness, being obedient to God's will, earns my way to heaven. No, it's not true. But your obedience is actually this evidence that you are truly, fully committed to God. You know, I mean, Jesus in the other parable, he he talked about the the seeds that are sown and and some, the first seed, oh man, it, it, it receives the, the message of Jesus very quickly. I mean, they're just enthralled with this idea. Wow, I can be saved. This is fantastic. And they start on that road, but then they veer off. Never to return. So they're the people who believe what Jesus said initially, but later on when they realize that their obedience should be a, a product of their commitment to God, they just kind of say, man, if that's what it really means to follow, is I got to live this compressed life, right? Ah, it's not for me. And so they exit. And what's really interesting, and we go all the way to the end of the Bible in Revelation, it talks about the seven churches, and, and, and John says the same thing. Actually, God says it through John about the people who are his followers. He says, he says those who persevere to the end will be saved. Right? Th- th- those who persevere on that road. Now, again, their perseverance doesn't save them. Their perseverance is an indicator that they genuinely had a lifelong commitment to God, to Jesus, to continuing to believe that their commitment to Christ and his salvation to cover our sins, that is what is, brings the evidence of a lifelong long journey toward heaven with God, right? So there again, that, that's nuanced. But remember, our obedience is evidence of our commitment our obedience doesn't get us, doesn't make us, you know, deserve heaven. So there's a difference, all right? So so we see here that uh, our salvation 
is is um, is evidenced by our commitment to continue to follow Jesus. And we, when we get off that path, what do we do? Well, we've talked about this before too. If we, if we get off the path a little bit, we stray, what do we do? We humble ourselves. We confess our sin, which means that we say what we did was wrong, but we also agree with God that it is forgiven. And then we thank God for his spirit and his family that helps us get back and stay on that path. Now, we've got evidence in our church and in lots of churches of people who've been on that path for years and years and years and years. It doesn't mean that they've led a perfect life all those years, but the fact that they're still on it, they're still doing it, right, is is evidence of God's faithfulness and that person's commitment to live a life that will continue to the end to trust in the fact that Jesus is the one who provides the forgiveness for my sin and also the the power with his people to help us stay on the right path. Okay, I've had people in my life, my wife in particular, who's just, you know, continues to forgive me, continues to encourage me, continue to help, help me be pointed in the right direction. And we all need people like that in our life. That's why we're here as a church. That's why we, you know, we preach and we teach every week because we want to stay on that path. Not because staying on the path saves us, but because staying on the path is what we want to commit ourselves to doing because of what God has done for us. So we continue to trust God and thank him for his, for his continually forgiving us and pointing us right in the back, back on the right path. Second Timothy 3.16 is really a good summary here. Here's a, here's a young man who, who grew up in a Christian family, became a pastor, and, and uh, he says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for, for, to teach us what is true and make us realize what's wrong. In our lives, it corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches to do what's right. So we study the word of God. Why? To stay on the right path. Because we're committed to believing that Jesus has forgiven us of our sins. And that road, that small narrow gate, Jesus is the way to to life. And then his pathway is the pathway of life. It brings, it, it, it does bring blessing to us, even though it's maybe sometimes compressed and a little difficult, but we're here to encourage each other to stay the course all the way to the end. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Um, thank you for giving us your word, which teaches us that there are two ways. Um, God, thank you that that Jesus provided the the open door, the gate. It's narrow. There's one way that leads to life. It's through Jesus. But thank you for his life and death that covers our sins. Thank you, God, that now you give us your spirit to help guide us to stay on that right path, to live the kind of life that you designed us to live originally that will bring blessing and life. Um, God, as we encourage each other, thank you for the words of encouragement, whether it be correction or instruction um, to stay on the path and how to how to how to live the way that you want us to, to to put loving others first, God to treat others the way that we would want to be treated. Thank you for the simplicity of it, but also for the direction that you point us. Um, thank you, God, for loving us. Help us to love each other in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. 
And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.